Dear ones, we come today to the gospel lesson that tells us the story of Zacchaeus. Every year this feels like a little bit of a signal to start preparing yourself that Lent is on its way. We had a um, very beautiful week this past week. We had the feast of the entry of the Lord into the temple, which happens to fall on the day in which it's obligatory to watch the cinematic classic Groundhog Day, which I expect everyone did. And we cap it off this year with this really powerful gospel lesson. And the gospel lesson contained within it this really great word. The word is behold. Behold. I saw on online many, many years ago, I've never done this, but I guess with, uh, with our fifth, with Simeon, we have an opportunity. It said, when you have a baby, don't teach that child the word look. Teach him the word behold. And that way you'll get everyone's attention when you're walking down the grocery store aisle and the child says, Mama, behold, Fruit Loops. <laughs> Sounds very epic. I like this word, behold. When we think of that word, behold, we would typically think of the Lord telling us to behold something. But in this case, it's Zacchaeus who speaks to his Lord, his creator, his master, and says, behold. Zacchaeus had every reason to hide himself. In fact, I was thinking, I'm not going to preach about this today, but I was thinking about the parallels or maybe the contrasts between this particular gospel lesson and the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. They both contain a tree. (laughs) They both contain in a way, an accusation of one who really ought to fear the sight of the Lord. But in the case of Adam and Eve, they they flee, they hide from the sight of the Lord. In the case of Zacchaeus, he wishes so much to see the Lord that he climbs up into the tree to behold him. And then when he's called out, much to the chagrin of the crowd, who's shocked that the Messiah would call out such a sinful man, Zacchaeus doesn't run and hide, but invites Christ into his home. What made Zacchaeus a figure who who probably should have been ashamed and should have run? We're told that he was a chief tax collector. To be a tax collector at all at that time was, was a shameful thing for a Jew, because Israel was occupied land. The Romans had overtaken it, and as such, if you were going to go and collect taxes from your fellow countrymen, you were collecting it for the intruders, for your conquerors. You had become an agent of the oppressive and tyrannical state. And what's more, tax collectors typically would not take an accurate account of what somebody really owned and how much wealth someone had for a price. And so they would go to their countrymen and say, okay, based on what you have here, this is how much we'll tax you, but... If you slide a little into my hand, then we're going to tax you quite a bit less. And then the tax collectors would take whatever they made 
by ill-gotten means, and they'd go to the chief tax collector, of which Zacchaeus was one. And they would take a portion of what they had taken illegitimately and gave it to him. And so, it's a powerful thing that Zacchaeus, rather than saying, I'm going to flee, I'm going to run away from the eyes of the Lord, instead says to the Lord, Behold. And then he shows him what? He shows him the fruits of his repentance. The Lord has entered my home, and so what will I do? Half of what I own I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I won't just restore it, I will restore it fourfold. I think there's a powerful lesson in here for us for the entire year, but especially as we look forward to Lent, just just under a month and a half away, that typically our shame and sin gets the best of us, and we think that this is all the Lord sees. And if this is where our entire focus is, we really have no choice but to say that this is all the Lord sees in us. But if we bear worthy fruits of repentance, we can confidently stand before the Lord, even with all of our sin, even being weighed down by all that darkness that we've led into our own hearts, we can stand confidently before the Lord and say, Behold, Lord, look at my repentance. This is the positive way of the spiritual life. This is the proper way. This is the way that makes us feel confident in the spiritual life, and this is the sure way forward. To be able to create and live out such strong repentance that despite our sins, we can look at the Lord and say, rather than hide, Lord, behold, look. Look at the things that I'm trying to do to make up, not only, but to strive in holiness and to be closer to you. Look at the things, the the worthy fruits of repentance that can stand the light of your countenance and shine in them. It's too easy to get bogged down in our own sins and to become disheartened by everything and to forget that second half, which is far more important. So this is what the Christian does when he sins. Rather than wallow in his sin, rather than become completely disheartened, rather than become dejected, and fall into despair, the Christian says, these are the ways that I've broken my relationship with my Lord. What can I do not just to repair it, but to strengthen that relationship so that the chance of me falling again is lessened? This is how we live the Christian life. Always running towards a positive goal goal, and not always running away from that negativity and that negative and dark self that we know exists within us. This is what we want. We want to be able to stand with Zacchaeus, and show, show the Lord our repentance. Show him what we're doing to live more in communion with him. Show him how we're seeking to live out the gospel more accurately, more joyfully, more consistently. We want to look for those positive efforts and those positive means for growing in relationship with Christ and stand with confidence before our icons and say, Behold. This is the sure way of the spiritual life. This is the way that we keep, again, from being downcast. This is the way we overcome anxiety in the spiritual life, which is just so common today. The spiritual life is absolutely full of anxieties because we have these false views of the Lord and our relationship with him. What we need to know is simple, that the Lord wishes 
to stand with us face to face. He wishes to inspire us away from our sins and towards holy living, and he wishes to have us stand with confidence and to say, Behold, Lord, these are the fruits of my repentance. This is the Lord that we have, and this is the relationship that we want to seek with him. If we seek this relationship, the relationship with Christ is far more positive, far more uplifting, and it creates far less opportunities for us to feel like we need to run and hide in the first place. And this is what we see in the saints. It's kind of an interesting thing that as much as we read the lives of saints and we focus on them throughout the life of an Orthodox Christian, many times we fail to see just how joyful they really were. This joy is necessary. In fact, there are some who say that this is the defining aspect of the Christian. That the Christian, in the face of persecutions, in the face of mockery, in the face of secularism, in the face of the world's hatred, in the face of tragedy, maintains joy. And it's not a false joy. It's not a fake joy that just smiles through the pain. There's a a time for weeping. There's even a time for anger. It's a joy that endures these things and cuts through them because we see the merciful nature of our Lord and we see how much he yearns for our souls despite how much we've turned away from him. The way to bring about that joy is to practice joyful living in the Christian life. And the way to practice practice joyful living is to take hold of opportunities for repentance and not just live them, but excel in them every day. It's not a very good goal to wake up in the morning and look at our life and say, I really hope today I don't sin too much. I was telling someone yesterday that's essentially taking this line here and everything below that is sin and saying, the best I can do is maybe reach for that line. We Christians seek to live above the line and say, yes, I'm going to sin, but I'm also going to live out my love for Christ. I'm going to seek opportunities for humble service to others. I'm going to seek the virtues, and I'm going to do so joyfully. I'm not going to hold this line as the goal. I'm going to hold excellence in the Christian life as the goal. Not out of pride, but out of pure love for Christ. This is the life that causes us to say, behold, with Zacchaeus. So, dear ones, embrace this message very fervently for the next month and a half as you look towards Great and Holy Lent, when our asceticism will deepen, when we'll see the opportunity to take all the sins that we've built up over the year and to wipe them clean again, when we see the opportunities to love the Lord more than ever, to make sure that we end Great and Holy Lent further ahead than we began it, begin first by preparing for Great and Holy Lent with a joyful message of seeking holiness in a positive form so that we too can stand with Zacchaeus and tell our Lord, behold. May the Lord strengthen us in this. Amen.